0: Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine.
1: Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in the pages of Christian Living Magazine. I have been eagerly awaiting this week's show. Joining me today is Ron Price Internationally recognized business advisor, I took this straight off your bio, so (laughs) complete plagiarism, executive coach, speaker, and author, known for his creative and systematic thinking, business versatility, and practical optimism, Ron has worked in 15 countries and served in almost every level of executive management over the last 40 years. And Ron shares a portion of his very moving testimony in our current issue of Christian Living Magazine. Ron, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: Uh, you know, How are you?
2: That's a complicated question. I, I told
1: you that'd be the hardest
2: question I <laughs> asked you today. <laughs> I actually am doing well. I had a wonderful time with the Lord this morning and starting a day with a great conversation and great listening and some worship. It makes all the difference. It does make all the difference. Absolutely. So
1: unbeknownst to Ron, well, a little bit, because I kind of shared this before we started recording today. Ron has mentored me for several years. And I'm sure when I first shared that with you, you went, we've only really just met. <laughs> How could I have mentored you? And the short answer is that you you were at the, uh, key, the keynote at a, an event that I went to a number of years ago, and you shared your Christian testimony how life was not always easy. And you had your hardships, and yet you trusted God. And when I went, I had followed you as a businessman. I I didn't know the level of your faith. So I was taken aback both by your testimony, but the level of faith that you have. Your story is different than mine, yet it spoke to my heart. So I, so I sent you a friend request and you accepted it on social media. I was thrilled there. And so that allowed me to watch you even more closely and learn more from you and just be able to glean because you are very generous with your encouragement and your support and just the different knowledge things that you have and you just share them freely. And that just really inspired me too, because you make a difference everywhere you go, everything you touch. So it just inspires me so much that God, no matter what, has a plan and a purpose
2: Always better than ours. Always. It always exceeds the best that we could think of.
1: That's absolutely. So as I'm I'm confessing all of this to you this morning, it's clearly one of those times that I have to remind myself that you just never know who's watching. Right. Or what impact you may have.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Sandy. And actually, I believe that the greatest impact we have in life is the one that we don't see. Yeah. It's... When we're living our life authentically, which doesn't always mean easy, it doesn't mean we always behave as we should, but when we're living it authentically and we do want to serve God, people notice it and we will never understand who did or how it impacted them. It's all part of the mosaic that God's building into their lives. And I suspect that maybe in eternity we get a glimpse of that. It's a part of the celebration we see all the different people who've touched us yes. and we can tell them how much we appreciate it. And then we get to see the people that we've influenced and didn't realize we were.
1: That scares me. <laughs> Humbly scares me because it's like there is a responsibility with that. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're a speaker or a coach or if you're a hamburger flipper, which was my past or the janitor, whatever. We're, we all have people who see us. And aspire to be something like us.
2: Yeah, and, and it really God judges things on a completely different basis than we do. I have a I get together with some men on Monday mornings to pray early, and one of them is the plant manager from Microchip Company, not in Idaho. And he often will sort of be self deprecating about his job. Well, I just do that and i keep saying no that's not true you have no idea the significance of that when you do it as a way of serving god he said well you know i focus on my family well i said well, that that might be the best thing of all <laughs> that might in god's eyes that might bring more praise than anything that we can publish that gets uh, that other people admire but it god judges things a different way
1: absolutely and we all have different callings yeah And maybe there's somebody out there whose family is struggling that that man is mentoring and has no clue that he's mentoring through his actions. You know, that's many years ago, we started having Sunday night family dinner every Sunday night after a tragic loss in our family. And I, you know, my only regret is I didn't start it sooner, but I've had several people over the years say to me, we've watched your family do that and now we're doing it. And it's like, well, I didn't do it for any, it was a totally selfish thing, you know, for, for me and my family. And, and yet, because I was transparent about it, you know, and people invite us to stuff, and generally the answer is, I'm sorry, Sunday night is reserved for my family. You know, now if somebody's getting married or something and it's a big event, then we might move it to Saturday or Monday. But, but we do. But you just never know who's watching. And, or, and it can just be the most mundane thing. right? So your story, so I was sharing with you earlier today that the story you shared with the people that attended that event was vastly different than the story and it's still your story than the story you shared in Christian living. It it moved me. Again, I thought I I had followed you as a businessman. I had no idea the level of your faith. And you were the whole reason I went. I mean don't <laughs> let that get to you, but you know, I I just you were so intriguing to me in your positivity and your coaching and and how willing you were to build other people up and help them. That just really intrigued me. And so when I got the invitation to this event, and, and I just went, I have to go. I didn't care anything about the event. I wanted to hear the keynote speaker, and that was you. And I was so glad. I still think it was a God thing, because again, I saw you as a businessman. I had no idea the level of faith. But I also saw this successful, strong, confident businessman. And mistakenly, like we often do, I assumed that that is how your life had always been. Yeah. And you overcame abuse and you had some really tough, tough things to overcome. You could have chosen, because it's a choice, to have had a downtrodden life. And you could have kicked dust all these years. And yet you rose up and you claimed victory and i don't know what it was so i want to ask you do you have, you know what what inspired you what what motivated
2: you to be who you are today well i suspect that there were people praying for me my grandma probably was a great prayer warrior she was very quiet she never told me that she was but it wouldn't surprise me if she wasn't my the the really the big part of my early life story was that when i was 10 years old my Dad and mom, we had gone to this church. Actually, they started singing in the choir the month I was born, 10 years earlier. And my dad fell in love with another woman in the choir that was two seats down from my mom. And my mom was a preacher's kid. Aww. My grandpa was a uh, very passionate preacher, really very intrinsically oriented, didn't care about building projects, cared about building people. And um, when when my dad announced to her that he was leaving He didn't tell her why initially it was without a doubt the hardest experience in her life this was in 1963 in 1963 he didn't have divorce the way it's happening today yes I was in the fifth grade at that time and I was the only person in my class from a broken family and my mom really didn't have anybody to talk with and so she would regularly confide in me and as a 10 year old I couldn't give her advice but I could sit there and listen for whatever reason, probably part of the grace of God, I didn't pretend to listen. I actually did listen. And it was a very, very tough time for her. She went out and got a minimum wage job as a secretary at Farm Bureau. Minimum wage back then was either $1.95 or somewhere around there. Wasn't very much. She no. went. We got food stamps the first month, and she told me that that was the most difficult thing she'd ever done in her life was to stand in line and get food stamps. My dad actually did a good job of taking care of us through the settlement. He never reneged on anything. He always stayed close to us. We were three boys, and I was the middle boy. But my mom would come home from work, and I would hear her in the bedroom sobbing and begging God to take her life. And at that point, as a 10-year-old, it didn't sound to me like it was a prayer. It sounded like it was a suicide wish. Yeah. And that would go on for 30 or maybe 45 minutes. And then she'd get up and fix dinner.
1: How hard for and you as was a child. it was
2: one day at a time. And I didn't, I think in some ways being at that age gave me just enough awareness to be supportive of her, but not so much awareness to really end up being in shock.
1: Yeah. Or, uh, or suffer the anxiety of... Yeah. yeah.
2: I didn't, I didn't, and, and maybe it's part of my makeup too, but I didn't have the kind of emotional turmoil. I just knew I needed to be a stabilizing influence. So... Um, she made, She got through it. And actually, five years later, she met another man on that same church choir who was single. <laughs> who was single. There you go. And she married him, and she had 25 years of pure bliss with him before she passed away. That's he was everything that my dad couldn't be. My dad, meantime, um, went and eventually married this woman, and she had six kids. One of them was in my Sunday school class, so one of my classmates became my stepsister. And uh, she had been in a very troubled marriage while well, she had those six kids. She had been married to a paranoid schizophrenic and had suffered physical abuse. And my dad took those kids under his wing as if they were his. And I, I, you might have heard me when I told that story. I would say toward the end of his life, my dad was the best example of a faithful husband and a loving father that I could point to. He just took those kids as if they were his, and oftentimes they were in trouble. I they exposed me to juvenile delinquency, and I had to make some choices. And again, I think there were people praying for me. Yeah. But he was faithful to her. He lived until he was just short of 94. He was a wonderful example, and he became a wonderful prayer warrior. They both, after they got married, made a commitment to the Lord. Even though we were churchgoers, it was more of the traditional cultural attendance. Yeah. And you believed in God, but you didn't really connect in a deep way and have a really – I think the church I went to didn't really teach or understand the need to be born again, to be born by the Spirit. So you could have an intellectual awareness of God and even appreciate it, but you didn't have the dynamic of it because when your Spirit comes alive – completely different than just having your mind come alive absolutely so my dad and his wife eventually did accept the lord and he had he and i had many many wonderful years of praying together reading the bible together talking about things and my mom uh she passed away in the late 90s and just before she passed away he asked if he could come see her she said yes and he went and apologized. That's amazing. And he later told me that that was probably the second most important thing that had happened in his life when she forgave him.
1: And what a lesson. I mean, we still learn yeah. all of our lives. What a lesson even yep. for you as adult children. Right. To see that that's right. modeled. Yep. You know, that's that is absolutely amazing. You and so you share, I don't want to just reiterate the magazine story, but but you share that you grew up working with your dad.
2: Yeah so, oh, I, so
1: there I, wasn't a separation.
2: No, as a matter of fact, it, it's a funny thing, but when he left us, we actually ended up spending more time with him because he had visitation rights now and he was focused. Yes. Before that, he was he was somebody who works uh, five and a half days a week and then Saturday afternoon he did house chores and then Sunday we went to church and that was the routine. So we didn't do fun things together except for a one or two week vacation every summer. And we learned how to play as kids and get by on our own. But when he left, then he started coming every other Saturday to pick us up, and we'd spend a half day together. And then as I moved into my teenage years uh, to pick up some spare change, I went to work at his place. At first, I was just airing up and repairing truck tire tubes. And for everyone that would hold air, I got 25 cents. I love that. And uh, if they didn't hold air, I had to start over again. And I will admit that I would get tired sometimes and hide in the tires and take a nap, but I didn't get paid because I was only getting paid when they held there. And then eventually in high school, I uh, increased my commitment there and started to actually do some innovation. We were in Michigan and the automotive industry was very significant and we created new ways to put new rubber on these tracks in the factories and on their lift trucks and things like that and save them a lot of money. And, and my dad let me be a part of the product development of that. And then eventually, after I made my commitment to the Lord, I came back and worked full time and eventually became a co-owner with him. And we, we owned four manufacturing facilities across the state of Michigan together. And I really learned business there. I went to um, a corporate business school during that time. And I really learned the nuts and bolts of doing business. I learned about, we didn't have credit cards back then, so everything was managing credit. Yeah, We learned about accounting, learned about operations, learned about sales, learned about fixing broken equipment. It was really a wonderful time in my life because it was so practical and it was really hard work. And you went home every night really dirty.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where, yes, we we kind of talked about that. But that I'm sure,
2: I shouldn't say I'm sure,
1: I imagine that that led to the successful person you are today. Because you really kind of started at the bottom and worked your way up. Yeah. But you weren't afraid to get dirty. Right. So as, as an adult and going forward into business, there's just nothing you
2: won't do. I also think that um, so often today we prepare people for business by giving them a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And of course, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Working in a business, especially a family business, it's, my dad didn't do it because he wanted to make a lot of money. He did it because he wanted to live his values. And so I learned a lot about how the customer is who you focus on and your employees. And you're not there to serve yourself. You're there to serve them. Unfortunately, a lot of times when we come out of business school, there's a certain feeling of entitlement because we've paid for it. Yep. We've invested a lot to get there, but we got the knowledge without the, the proportionate experience that helps us to understand the relationship between head, heart, and hands. Absolutely. So he helped me with that a lot.
1: I was talking to somebody just the other day about you know setting. They were setting up a new, and I said, you know, I'm I'm big for you know. There's there's a show on on regular television. You know, the boss, the very top boss, comes down and and does
2: undercover boss. Yes,
1: yeah, and and you know, does the actual job. And maybe they didn't come through that industry and they had no idea. You know, and I said this, that's how I if I were going to structure your company, that's how I would structure your company is that everybody starts. There, even if they only work for a few weeks there, so that they have a grasp. I, I never worked retail until I was in my forties, and I didn't work retail very long, but I had no idea how physical it was to work retail. Yeah, what an eye-opening experience! And so, you know, you you kind of came up, but but you didn't you didn't as we share in the article, you didn't stay in the tire industry. You took all of that wealth of information about business, and you've grown. I mean, um, you 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 set up, you founded Price Price. Is it Price Associates or And Associates? No, Price. That
2: right. part of the agreement was we will not use And. And I love
1: that. <laughs> I love that. Price Price. So you you set up Price Associates, which now you've retired from there, and you're working right. out of state at. This electronics company, and I don't understand enough about that. My my kids will laugh and tell you I am the loose nut behind the keyboard of a computer. <laughs> you know, I type well, but don't ask me to do anything else behind the scenes on the computer. So, so you're still working, and you're still encouraging people, and you're speaking, and you're coaching people, and you're still writing books. So I have to ask, because I looked, and I, and I kind of got confused, because one book you've updated a couple of times. So how many books have you authored or co-authored? Nine.
2: Nine. Um, some of them were written when I was working at AIM International in Nampa. And those books were written specifically for the people there. But when I, I retired from there in 2000, I got up one morning, was in my morning prayers, and the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. And I immediately knew what he was telling me. So I told the board of directors, my job is done here. My time is God's done. God's called me to something. I didn't know what, had no idea what. Um, But then after that, one of the things I had wanted to do was to write a book for my children that captured what I felt was the most important uh, lessons I was learning from 30 years at that time in business. Of course, I later realized they're not going to read it, so I hope my grandchildren will. (laughs) But that book, uh, the original version of that came out in 2003. It was called Finding Hidden Treasures. Actually, my oldest son helped me publish it. He was uh, had the connections in that industry at that time to help. That book got rewritten in 2010 or 2011 by a, a local publisher asked me if they could take it on and if we could do a rewrite of it. So that's now called um, find, um, Treasure insight. And um, a few years ago, I had to look at whether or not to reprint because we had run out. And I I thought, well, I'm going to read it again to see whether or not I still think it should be out there. Is
1: it still timely? Yes. And
2: I I read it and felt, yes, matter of fact, I need to spend more time in this book myself. There are a lot of things in here that I need to sharpen up. So that came back out. And then most of the writing I've done since then has been co-authoring. I discovered that it made a huge difference when I built a team around me. And it made a huge difference when there were other people who were co-authors because the collaboration that we went through produced a creativity that took us way beyond anything that I would have written by myself. So there have been four more books since then, and um, every one of them different. Every one of them a very different collaborative experience. And every one of them precious to me because of the way that I felt I was able to communicate some of what has been put inside of me. And Sandy, this is part of what I love about books. I appreciate what you said about speaking, and I do really treasure that, not knowing where it all goes. With books, the thing that amazes me is once you put them out there, you have no idea where they're going to show up and how God's going to use them. That's for sure. So Treasure Inside, who I wrote for my kids, actually hundreds of copies of that are now in China and people are reading it there. Um, One of the books that I wrote for AIM International before I left, it was called Beyond the Green. I got an email from somebody in South Africa who told me they read that book and it had changed their life. Wow. That doesn't happen unless you have the courage and the humility to go for it and to write something. And all of us don't feel that we're quite adequate. And every book I've written, when when the first draft got done, I have big questions about whether or not it has any significant value because you live in it so much that you're not quite sure how other people are going to respond to it.
1: Absolutely. Well, and then because you're faith-based, you got the enemy telling you nobody wants to hear it. Yeah. Nobody, that's not going to impact you because he doesn't want you to have that out there. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of coming up here on, t- on some time. So one of the groups that you have on social media is you have the complete leader, Mm-hmm. And that's a book that you have updated and updated. It's it's for, specifically according according to the description. It's specifically for leaders from twenty five to forty five, who maybe didn't grow up with the same value systems in place that we grew up with, right? So is there one thing, as, as we're, again, coming up against the clock, is there one thing you want to share with aspiring leaders or maybe people who are just getting into leadership? What is one piece
2: of advice you would give them? Probably the biggest thing is that it's a journey about who you become more than what title you have. It's really about the character that you build and how you define that. Everybody believes in character, but we don't all live it. So how do you live it? You define it. You define what are the values that are important to you and how you govern yourself and how you relate to other people. And then it's also how you choose to develop your own expertise. And the way that I define expertise is something you do that makes a difference for somebody else, that creates value for somebody else. So it's a journey. And forget about the title. Don't worry about the titles take care of themselves. They come to you when they're supposed to. If you let God take care of those things, they'll always surprise you.
1: Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. We, we are on the same page there. So, if anyone wants to know more about the Complete Leader or to reach you for speaking or anything, how's the
2: best way for them to reach you? Probably to reach out to me on LinkedIn. So, okay. Ron Price, I think it's Ron Price89 on LinkedIn. Uh, or they could go to info at thecompleteleader.org and the and folks there. The, yeah, the folks there could find me can reach you. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: This yes. has been Ron Price. we it's been a phenomenal time. I knew it would. I knew it would inspire me. I hope that I hope that you got something out of it and I don't want to be selfish but I knew it would inspire me. Folks you can read Ron's motivating story in our current issue of Christian Living magazine available in over 600 locations throughout all of southern Idaho or if you're listening from out of the area you can read us online at christianlivingmag.com. This does bring our time to an end for this week. We invite you back next week when we have another special guest in store for you, someone who will fill you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless.
0: This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867 Meridian, Idaho 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.